This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. His philosophy on death was very much that it's nothing to be afraid of because, firstly, once you're dead, there's no you. And if there's no you, there's no thing as well to be scared of. And so it was a very intellectual argument about there's no point of being afraid of something that is beyond your existence. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll hear about life-threatening deficiencies, toxicities, and life-lengthening sufficiencies. We'll learn about self-sabotaging your health. We'll discuss cooking food for people you love. And lastly, we'll explore the fear of death and the meaning of life. But first, a little bit of business. You're a genuine health enthusiast listening to this show today. And Activation Products is your dream come true when it comes to living a very long, pain-free, energized life. Your body's craving heirloom nano and micronutrients that you'll use to elevate your whole body's health in ways you had no idea were possible. Activation makes all this possible no matter how old or young you are. The precious time, energy, and money you invest to be healthy is taken very seriously by Activation. It's their responsibility to deliver to you the most efficacious health products available in the world today. People consistently report back the most beautiful health results when they daily consume products from Activation. Treat yourself now and find out what it's like to live in a luxurious body, making every day a joy to be alive. Go to activationproducts.com and subscribe for the most important health information and products or call 1-866-271-7595. Ian Clark is the founder of Activation Products. When Ian faced a life-threatening illness in 2004, he started a journey of natural healing that finally resulted in speed healing all his health issues through ensuring a very long, healthy life. These discoveries are now being shared with millions of individuals to enjoy their own journey to health freedom. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? Hey, Jamie. I'm doing great today. How are you doing? I am feeling full of energy and vim and vigor. But today we're going to discuss people and and some of the things that may be keeping them from feeling as fantastic as you and I feel right now, right? Yes. In your experience, what are you seeing as the most common deficiencies in people's health? Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many deficiencies now in the diet because the food people are eating, even when they eat organic and various different, you know, they try their best to eat as clean as possible. Unfortunately, there are things missing in the food that are devastating, which are things like magnesium or a properly available magnesium. And also a massive deficiency now is iodine. And that means iodine in the right form. You know, you go back to the 1800s and early 1900s, they discovered that that was the big problem with the whole world. And the biggest government program ever was to put potassium iodide in salt. Right. Because they knew everybody was using salt. But unfortunately, in the 70s and 80s and Even in the 60s, they started condemning salt as problems with high blood pressure and so on. People moved away from it. They took iodide out of the bread and out of the beer, and all these different things started uh, causing deficiencies with hormones, with young women coming up into 
at maturity, having fibroids, all these things showed up in breast cancer today. Autism is all related to iodine deficiency. And people just don't know it. So we're bringing out a major educational piece on this so that people become acutely aware of how important it is to have iodine and iodide in their bodies on a daily basis. And it's not so easy to get iodine into your body through diet, right? It, it, it doesn't occur naturally in a lot of foods. Well, if you lived near the ocean and ate a lot of seaweed and cod and haddock and breathed a lot of ocean air, yep. you're definitely getting iodine. The problem is that people live in the cities. They don't get access to that. You know, the vast majority of people don't live right in the ocean. Yep. And even people living in the ocean don't realize the importance of it. They just take it for granted because it's happening in their life. But we're talking about taking a very purposeful approach to making sure that the human body is being, you know, added, supplemented, so that those core elements, which are must-have to have a long, healthy life, are in existence in your day-to-day. Okay. So moving on from iodine, I know you have a list of dietary deficiencies. What, What would come next on your list? Uh, magnesium. Magnesium is a huge one because magnesium is a fuel that every cell in your body uses, especially your brain power, you know, cardiovascular. Magnesium is, a, is, a, is called the master mineral and without a sufficient amount, because everybody has a certain amount of magnesium in their body. Right. But people, as soon as you go below your sufficient amount, in the background, you're starting to feel all of these different things affect you, like whether it be muscle twitches or poor sleep or anxiety or any kind of muscle joint pain, uh, lack of brain power, heart palpitations, whatever it may be. These are things that show up at a stage three level. Now, when you start getting a symptom like that or symptoms like that, you're already advanced. So you you don't want to get to that place. You want to know, hey, magnesium is a master mineral. There's more than 330 biochemical reactions that count on enough magnesium for every cell in your body to function properly and the magnesium is just not in the food anymore it's gone way down from where it was even a hundred years ago and the monocropping and the various different processes of food have deleted it and even magnesium supplementation is a difficult thing because it's low absorption right there's different qualities of magnesium that are available on the market many different qualities and many different forms as well yep so which are the magnesiums do you espouse like which one do you like Well, there's the primary magnesium that I've used for years that's done wonderful things is a transdermal magnesium. I was shown that way back in the day, like 14 years ago, and I didn't really understand it for a couple of years, but I knew that when I sprayed it on my body, it would help me immediately with pain. So I thought it was a painkiller, but it was not a painkiller. What it was doing was exciting and mirroring up to the calcium that that had been released in my system because of low magnesium. Back then, I also didn't understand stage three magnesium deficiency. I just thought, oh, the symptom shows up, I do this, and then it goes away. Didn't realize that you've got to really use, get your body tissue storage filled with magnesium so you have it on store. So people who are using their brain a lot use a lot of magnesium. Women are always in a different situation than men with magnesium because of menstrual cycles, their hormones are changing every day. So they're, and women uh, deal with stress in a much different manner than a man. Mm-hmm. So they use a lot of magnesium. Women really have to focus in on their magnesium uptake and what they're doing. So yeah, the transdermal is the most effective because it goes in very quickly wherever you put it. But you've got to have the right one. The one that we manufacture now is based upon the original science of true transdermal magnesium. So not only is it in the right Form is the right type. 
Got it. And it's, you know, it's a very special thing. You can feel it within 90 seconds go into your system and relax and calm you. And then from there, you can feel the results in your joints. If you have, a, like, a, say, a sore elbow or a, you know, a twitching muscle in your leg, it works right away. So that's one form. Now, the, another form is in the form of pills. Now, there's different ones in the market. Some are more or less bioavailable. Some have different functions. One of the most common ones out there is magnesium bisglycinate. And you can find that really at any health food store. Many different brands carry magnesium bisglycinate because they know that it's more bioavailable than other forms. This year, Activation is going to be coming out with a new form of magnesium that's going to go into water, and it's going to cover all of the bases for the internal intake. That's not going to be available till towards the middle of March. We're, we've been working on this for many years, and it's now coming out this year, which is very exciting. It's in a liquid form. Hmm. So you just add, add it to your water and drink it. You can actually drink it throughout the day. Because when you think about fueling your body, your body likes to have fuel throughout the day. So something as simple as adding it to your water and drinking it, anyone can do that. Yep. People don't like to have to stop and take a pill all day, you know? What other components are we deficient in? Selenium, yep. zinc. You don't need a lot of that, just a small amount. People can get blood tests for those things, but I think if you just have a small amount every day of those things, so mm-hmm. you're, you know, your big ones, iodine, magnesium, selenium, zinc. Got it. And then people should do blood panels. You know, once in a while, I like to get a good blood panel. You've got to have an experienced doctor or natural practitioner who really knows what to ask for on a blood panel because most people just get the standard blood panel, and that's not going to tell you what you really need to know. And so the person requesting the blood panel, number one, they've got to know what to ask for. Number two, they've really got to know how to interpret it. So finding a good skill, you know, people should go online for the local area and find a, you know, just do like reviews on blood panels. Who who is the real experience? You know, Activation knows a lot of people in different areas where you can go. And Quest Labs is all over North America. And they're, they're like the top lab for doing blood panels. But I would strongly suggest that to be done as well, just to find out where you're at. Uh, with, with your various different elements. Okay. What about toxicities? What should we be concerned that are in our bodies that we probably don't want to have? Well, toxicities are, I would say, the big, big rocks that you got to move are heavy metals and mold. Yeah. Now, people think heavy metals and mold. Like, where, where am I getting those? Well, they are invisible to your eyes for the most part. And heavy metals come in through breathing, and mold comes in through breathing. Sometimes it comes in through contact with the skin. Yep. But, you know, that's not that common. You'd have to be touching steel all the time or, you know, something like that. Yeah. But you really got to become acutely aware of where it is coming, which is primarily rubber dust, brake dust, fuel dust, construction dust, and, and basically just general plastics in the environment. So you're talking about nanoparticles. And I think last time we talked a little bit about the rubber dust that is yep. released in North America is 10 billion pounds a year because it's not on the pavement, but it's a mile and a half above the highways. And you and I are breathing it. And we're also eating it in the food because it gets into, into everything. But there's mercury, cadmium, and lead are your big ones there. And then mold, all different types of mold. There's thousands of different types of mold. And some buildings that people live in or some they've worked in or maybe they go just to go downtown to go and do something in an older building, they don't know when they walk in there's a certain amount of mold per cubic meter in the air. And at a certain level, you'll literally get colonized. So people get mold infections in their body. And that'll show up in gut health problems, uh, brain function. There's a lot of different areas. You know, black mold, of course, is the, is the really nasty one that people are aware of. Yep. 
those are your things, and you've got to know how to get those out of your system. There are very specific ways that you get them out there. It's not difficult. It's just that if you don't know that it's coming in and you don't know you have them in there and you don't know how to get them out, then it becomes a problem. And people, it's literally life-threatening type toxicities that people are suffering from. And they, and they get all these symptoms, and their doctors, you know, trying to deal with it on a symptomatic level, trying to figure out what this, those are called a disease or something like that. But really, it's just a toxicity that they're not aware of what's causing that problem. And then their genetics different people's genetics are going to respond differently with different types of toxicity. You know, one thing may bother you a lot and not really bother me that much. Right. You know, it could be mercury fillings. My wife was tremendously affected by mercury fillings, which is amalgam. Whereas other people, they had them and they didn't even notice it. Right. So it's just depending on that person's sensitivity. And then there's problems that we have just by function of the fact that, you know, we're getting older, right? It isn't just environmental or nutritional. As we get older, there are issues that abide, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, as you, so there's the other other thing is people think, oh, I'm getting older, therefore I should be having more bad things happen to me. But what we've learned is that the it's not how old you are, it's how long you've been doing the right thing or the wrong thing. How long have you been allowing your body to go into deficiency or how long have you been going to get your body into sufficiency? Sufficiency is where we all want to be. Right. We want to make sure that we're deleting the things that are coming in on an ongoing detox basis so we don't have the toxicity build up. We want to make sure we're not going down in things that, that our body requires to work well. And we don't want to dry up because as you age, you start to dry up. What do you mean by that? Like literally? Like where we don't have enough liquids? Or what do you mean by that? Well, yeah, your body, like, like mucous membranes are a prime example. Right. Okay. So as a male and a female ages, your eyes can get dry a lot sooner. Like when you're young, your eyes don't get dry as much because the eyelids which carry tear ducts are flowing well and keeping everything moist. The sinuses are more moist. You're not so susceptible to getting sick so quickly. Women's vaginal lubrication, which is getting a little bit into details, but that's really a sign that the body's changing, the hormones change, the, the mucous membranes don't have as much uh, fluid in them, and the male will produce less you know, in, in reproduction. Right. So that is a drying out process. Got it. And then people get macular degener- degeneration, they get glaucoma, there's all these things that happen. But if we knew how to keep our sufficiency up, to keep our moisture levels up, and there's very specific ways on how to do that, and it's easy. It's not a complicated thing. Everyone could do it, but it's knowledge-based. And that's where at activationproducts.com people can go and find out information about this. And this is, is, you know, the information is the most valuable thing. And then how, you know, what protocols are you in? Are you keeping yourself hydrated with proper water? You know, is the water mineralized, right? Is it structured, right? Is it getting into the cell? Because much water is, most water is, is not in the right state or the right structure. And then it just goes through your body and out into the toilet, which is also hard in your kidneys. So all those things are very tied into what are you doing every day? Are you doing the right thing every day or the wrong thing? If you're doing the wrong thing, which may be just something you're just not doing at all, which is wrong, then your body starts to show up as what they call signs of aging, but it's only doing things wrong for too long. What you seem to be addressing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is you're, you're talking about quality of life issues as we age, right? As opposed to quantity, right? Like what you're saying is you could live a better life as you are older, as long as you're doing these things, right? As long as there are, you are including the sufficiencies. Right? Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, it's quality of life. And, and your quality of your body is a luxurious body you're walking around in or 
a body that is starting to deteriorate and fall apart and get older faster on a day-to-day basis. It's your responsibility to take care of your body. You know, people will throw that responsibility at a doctor, and the doctor's only trying his best to figure out what's wrong. Right. And we show up, you know, if we haven't been taking care of ourselves, we might have a number of things. Like when I was 46, I had a number of life-threatening things that were going to take me out. And wow, you know, the doctors were trying their best to help, but they couldn't figure it out. And I had, I realized it was all what I was doing. And thank God I found that out. So I could take action on a day-to-day basis rather than trying to find a pill or a potion or a surgery that would fix my problem. So you've said, and we have time for one last quick question, like you've said information is king and, and I agree with you. So I know through your business, people can access information. So how do they go about doing that? Well, they can subscribe to our, our email list uh, at activationproducts.com and you'll, they'll find the subscribe box there. That's the best way because we give free information out all the time in this regard. Doing and just, you know, realizing people have got to realize there are people on this earth who know the definitive information. They do exist. I found that out 14 years ago, and I just was led to all the people to understand the top level of information. And once you have that, you're in a very, very good place because then you're making the right decisions based on intelligent information. Fantastic. Well, we look forward to having you back next month and you can impart more information. Sound good? Sounds great, Jamie. I look forward to it. Thank you. We've got to take a short break, but we will be right back on The Tonic. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural Liquid Greens. Do you worry about your cardiac health? Need to reduce your harmful cholesterol? New Roots Herbal offers natural supplement formulations to help reduce elevated blood lipid levels, help keep your cholesterol in check, and support cardiovascular well-being. Discover organic cardiac heart tincture, cholesterol, and slow-release CoQ10. Natural ingredients and guaranteed potency for healthier days and a brighter future. Let's make life better. Find these and other New Roots Herbal products exclusively at quality health food stores. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. And for more information, visit NewRootsHerbal.com. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Welcome back. Our next guest, Kathleen Trotter, is a fitness expert, nutritionist, life coach, monthly guest on BT Montreal and Rogers Ottawa, and author of the books, Finding Your Fit and the New, Your Fittest Future Self. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good. So I'm one of those people who makes life difficult on themselves. Uh, You and everybody else. Oh my God, Jamie, we all do, eh? Yeah. Today we're going to explore what it means to self-sabotage, right? 
Absolutely. And I think the first thing I just want to say is it sort of means just to be human. And by that, I mean, hold yourself accountable, but know that we all do this. So it's a matter of sort of growth mindset and slowly trending in the right direction, but you're never going to be perfect with this. It's not like you're going to wake up tomorrow and be like, I don't self-sabotage at all. So make your goal to self-sabotage a little bit less. That's good advice. That's a good starting point. It can feel really overwhelming to hear me say all the things you shouldn't do, but really what it is, is getting out of your own way. We all kind of metaphorically screw our future selves. You know, it's, we know that it's not good to smoke. We know it's good to, to walk a little bit more, to drink more water. But in the moment, it's so easy to say, well, just this once I'll do this. You know, we know it's not good, but that's hard when you're in the moment. You're like, what do I do? You want the, you want from my, for me, I love chocolate. So I'm like, oh, but I want that chocolate. I want it. I, yeah. I really want it. For me, it's eating at night and chocolate is a, is a big go-to, but that's the time of day when I'm at my weakest. Absolutely. And I think that is sort of a key point is to once you understand what your unique method of self-sabotage is to figure out the systems that save yourself from your future self. So for me, I just don't have the chocolate in the house. And and I actually have a rule that I don't eat after dinner. It's like a close the kitchen window because I never eat good food after, you know, nobody really eats the healthy food after you've done your dinner. True. Okay. So let's go through some examples of the self-sabotage that you see in your business. Okay. Well, first one is the snowball or the mustard effect. So basically that's the, you know, you miss one workout and well, I missed one. I might as well miss another. Or I ate this one piece of candy. Well, I might as well have some beer and some popcorn. And, you know, you just let it snowball into more and more less than ideal choices versus just sort of saying, you know, I never miss two workouts. One missing one workout, that's an anomaly. That's an exception, but missing two, that's the creation of a new habit. So no, I never miss two. Or or, you know, yes, I had a not so healthy lunch, but that's okay. I'll have a salad for dinner. So, you know, I just tell my clients it's about course correcting as quickly as possible. And um, I love the idea of mustard because, you know, we've all spilled that little bit of mustard on your shirt and you're like, ah, oh, crap. But the concept of snowballing is basically being like, oh, well, I spilled a little bit of mustard. So I might as well dump the entire bottle on my, on my shirt. Right. And we would never do that with mustard, but we do that with our health. So it's just about pausing and being like, nope, I'm not going to be pouring that mustard bottle on my shirt. Yeah. You know, nobody's going to be perfect a hundred percent of the time. And so, you know, you aim for 80, 20. So if you're in the 20, just don't let it become 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. That's the slippery slope that you want to avoid. You know, and I think the problem is, is that because people snowball, what happens is they end up doing more harm on their bad days and on their bad weeks than they do on their good weeks, you know? So they'll have a couple days where they're doing really well and they'll aim, as you said, for perfect, which isn't possible. So then as soon as they go off the rails, even a little bit, they're like, well, if I'm not going to be perfect, I might as well just be completely unperfect and terrible. And then you have a week or two where you're just, where you are terrible. And then it just, it never sort of evens out. You're always losing more health dollars than you're kind of gaining. So that's why I really like this idea of trending positive, like just trying to have more habits this day than you did, you know, last week and just course correcting as quickly as possible. Well, the other thing is, you know, you can, you can kid yourself that, you know, you're more than making up for your bad days with the good days. Right. And that's when you start punishing your body, you know, like I'm going to work out twice as hard because I know I was really bad. Or you kid yourself into believing that when you're really bad, you can make it up. Sometimes, you know, if you're really bad, 
the two don't equate. Like exercising extra hard ain't going to do it. To end up getting injured and then that yeah. is a whole nother negative spiral. So, you know, think to yourself, get back on the horse, course correct. And sometimes it's helpful to divide your day into quarters. So it's like, okay, well, I had not the best morning, but like, as opposed to thinking the day starts tomorrow, like I'll start fresh tomorrow, be like, I'll start fresh at my next quarter. Like you just start fresh as soon as possible. Yeah. And then just move on and make the best choice possible in that moment. What other things do people do? The next one is that I deserve, right? That, oh, I, I went to the gym, so I deserve this cookie. Or I've been really good this week, so you know I can go out and have a crazy binge drinking evening or whatever it is. That I deserve mentality is very dangerous because, listen, if you want to have a cookie, have a cookie. But don't rationalize it with I deserve. Rationalize it with I'm an adult and I'm deciding that this is part of my 20% of less than ideal choices or this is really important to me because you know my mom makes the best cherry pie in the world and I want to enjoy it with her. But as soon as you go into the I deserve, then it becomes like, oh, well, I love my mom's cherry cake. I might as well have, you know, five pieces or I only will work out so then I can eat better. It's it's very problematic and it doesn't lead to good decisions. So I just tell my clients, you just got to own your choices and make it. It's a choice. You know, if you want to have a treat, go for it, but have a small portion of something and make sure it's something that you love and a choice that's worthwhile. Like don't have a bunch of Doritos if you don't like Doritos, you know, as I said, I love chocolate. So if I want a treat, I have a beautiful piece of chocolate, but I don't have a bunch of pop or a bunch of chips that I don't actually really like. And let's face it, unless you're self-loathing, what is it that we don't deserve, right? I mean, there's always going to be something you deserve, right? Absolutely. And it's about choices. Like, you also deserve to sleep really well. And if you drink a bunch at night or eat a really heavy meal, you're not going to sleep well. You also deserve to have a wonderful relationship with your friends and your family. And guess what? If you're really unhealthy, that's not possible. So, or it's less possible to go for a great walk and play a sport if, you know, you don't have the energy to get off the sofa. So, of course, but you deserve lots of things. So, it's about choices. And I think choice leads into the other thing that we do, which is the I'm too busy excuse. You know, it's that really catch-all that we all are like, oh, well, I'm too busy. And it's like, well, we're all busy. And you have to find a way to say, yes, you're busy, but movement has to be thought of as a non-negotiable. And so when you're busy, how do you plan ahead? How do you anticipate for those crazy days? How do you weave motion into your daily life? Like life will always take over if you let it. And the trick is to look at your week and think, okay, so what's important to me? What are my priorities? And even if it's just going for a walk at lunchtime or taking conference calls, you know, as you walk, it doesn't have to be going to the gym, you know, five days a week for two hours to make that motion worthwhile. And you don't have to be on this crazy quote unquote perfect diet to eat well. You just have to, you know, drink more water, have more vegetables, stop when you're full, eat when you're hungry. So those catch-alls that I'm too busy, I'm too busy to cook well, I'm too busy to eat well, I'm too busy to go to the gym, like get over it. You know, it's all about figuring out what you can do, when you can do it, what you can say no to, right? Like often saying yes to your health is actually saying no to some other stuff. Well, I, I would say this, that if you treat your body better, you will have more energy to do more things. And you always have the ability to do more if you're healthy than you do if you aren't. And we're probably capable of cramming more into our lives if we actually thought about it. So, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And just looking in advance and knowing that part of the problem with all this stuff is that often the less than ideal habits get a really fast dopamine hit in the moment, whereas the healthier choices get a more positive reward, you know, years down the road. So, you know, having a cigarette will make you give you that dopamine hit at the moment, but not smoking will keep you healthier for longer. So part of it is understanding that it's tricky because of that. And you have to 
consciously reframe your healthy habits so they have positive meaning, right? And the more you exercise, the more you will look forward to exercising. But even to get that going, to get to a point where you actually do enjoy the motion, you have to find ways to reframe it so you can feel positive and positive meaning. So you're like, okay, I'm not going to have that cigarette because of the positive repercussions for my health later on. Or I'm going to go to the gym with a friend and that becomes your positive dopamine hit of having like a social interaction or even like putting on a really fun piece of music before you work out. So that gives you the positive dopamine hit. So it's about understanding that you have, as you said, look at your week in advance, look at what your triggers are, look at what your potential methods of self-sabotage is, and then find ways to counter that. It's about being intentional, really. Yep. So what else can we do to help facilitate sort of our trend towards healthier goals and, 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 and working towards general health? So I would say there's three things. The other way that we self-sabotage is trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Right. So know you, do you, thrive in your lane and find things that you actually enjoy doing. Letting go of perfection. We already sort of touched on this, but it's really key because there's never going to be the perfect week or day to start moving. There's never going to be the perfect diet. There's never going to be perfect. And if you keep waiting for that perfect day, you'll just never be fit. So if you can't go to the gym, go for a walk. If you can't go to the gym, work out at home, find ways to be active with your family. And again, thrive in your lane and then consciously create a circle of influence that's really will create that fitter future you. So we, if left to our unconscious, we often create a circle of relativity that's really unhelpful. You know, you go on Instagram or you go on Facebook and you look at all those other people and you're like, oh, they're where they're so much more fit than me. Why should I even try to be fit? Or you compare yourself to your favorite celebrity or you compare yourself to the person that you were 10 years ago. So yeah, compare yourself to people that will motivate you that are uh, maybe who you want to be a week or a month or six months from now, not in 10 years. Compare yourself to where you were six months ago, that whole trending. And pick people that, friends that will inspire you to be healthier and that will, you know, if you are in sort of like a grade two of fitness, then have somebody that maybe is in a grade three that really inspires you to keep going, but not somebody that is like 10 steps ahead of you that's going to be demotivating. So just consciously planning, not just your week and your environment and your systems, but also the people that you hang out with. That sounds like uh, excellent advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. My absolute pleasure. Next month, you're going to come back and you're going to talk about giving the right effort, right? Absolutely. Right effort versus busy effort. (laughs) We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss cooking labors of love on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. Jack Nathan Health offers Canadians convenient care with 74 multidisciplinary clinics located within Walmart stores. The largest ever Jack Nathan Health Medical Center is now open in Vaughan, Ontario at 8300 Highway 27. 
the new 8,300-square-foot clinic offers integrated services for the whole family, including family medicine, physiotherapy, and chiropractic, chronic pain management, massage, and a registered dietitian. There's also an on-site Dynacare blood laboratory, plus same-day referrals, walk-in appointments, and a new annual health assessment option. Jack Nathan Health is a one-stop shop for proactive health management. For more information, visit jacknathanhealth.com. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. In addition to being a lawyer, my next guest has been writing for Tonic Magazine for over five years. And since 2015, she's written the very popular cookbook review column, My Wife, Naomi. Hi, sweetheart. How are you? Hi. Good, thank you. You are the love of my life, and I am the love of your life, and I don't want to hear whether that's true or not. You're just (laughs) going to agree. And we cook for each other. But there's some things that require, like you really have to... You really have to love somebody to cook some of these things because it's a lot of work. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I think so. It's all about love today. I'm full love. of love. You're full of something. I'm <laughs> full of something. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when I think about it and people talk about labors of love and it's around Valentine's Day and everybody's talking about love, how do you show somebody you love them? You can give them a present. There's all kinds of ways you can demonstrate your love. But cooking for, for people is something primal, something that, that you do to feed them, nourish them, you know, help keep them alive like you do with your kids. It means something. It's, it's a gesture. It is. And then there's putting cereal in a bowl for your kids in the morning. But then there, there are certain dishes that you do that you would really only do if you love somebody or you might resent doing it. Yes. At least maybe I would. Maybe, that, maybe that's your <laughs> maybe, issue. Maybe it's my issue. You know, so if I'm going to do it, I want to know it's going to be appreciated and I'm doing it for people that I care about. Do you think that's still true? Like, even if you don't like to cook, like, how does this fit in if you don't cook at all? Well, let me say this. Let's say if I didn't know how to cook and I decided I was going to make a special dinner for somebody, it would actually mean even more because it would take a lot of effort. So even if the result wasn't good, I think the receiver would appreciate it. Like, wow, you went to a lot of trouble. You did something that is difficult for you to do and you did it for me. So I think that's nice. That being said, if you really hate cooking, there are other ways you can... You can order in. You can order (laughs) in. You can take them to a nice restaurant. Or if somebody doesn't like to eat or is picky... Don't make yeah, them we're, dinner. We're not, we're not being judgmental. And no. also, you know, if your person you love isn't really, you know, if food isn't their thing, you might not want to go to all that trouble, right? You know, yeah, like there's some people who... Yeah, would be who, resentful. Right. Like, you know, there's some people you could spend hours in the kitchen and they'd be just as happy ripping open a bag of Doritos. So, you know, question whether or not it would be worth it, but... You know, no, that's, I know. That's my that's issue. That's your issue. Because right? <laughs> I will often be making something. You'll say, what, what are you going to that trouble for? It's not worth it. And I'll say, I want to. I think it's appreciated. But you're concerned that it isn't sufficiently appreciated. Yes. I do it for the accolades. <laughs> <laughs> And the truth of the matter is, you know, I'm, I, I'm not, I don't really trust people that, that don't like to eat. Like, you know, if, if you're not into food, I question whether or not you're human. You know, I, I have real issues with that. So being picky or particular is one no, thing. That's a, no, that's separate. Everybody, liking what you like, yeah. as long as you like something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's get into it. What are some of these things that you would only cook for somebody if you really love them? Homemade pasta. Yep. That's a bit of a production. It's not actually that hard, but it just takes time. So I recently got a cookbook called American Sfoglino, which was a word. Sfoglino is not a word that I knew. It means pasta maker. It's an Italian word. The author's name is Evan Funky. He's a 
L.A. chef, and he went to Italy and trained to be a master pasta maker. And he wrote this beautiful book. And really, the pictures alone are, are great. It's very pretty. It could be a coffee table book. But the recipes are good, too. Yep. And his the whole thing is about the pasta. There's four basic doughs and then different shapes that you make out of the doughs and sauces that go with each of the shapes. And I decided, okay, homemade pasta is something that I want to try and do. And I and I sort of made it a few times, and, yep. as you have, too. And it works really, really well. Yeah, I have to say his recipe, which is a little bit different than some of the other ones I've done to make homemade pasta, is by far the best homemade pasta that we've ever made, for sure. And his instructions are very, very, very detailed. Yes. So pictures and details. He has a thing about no machines. I confess that we did, we have a pasta machine and we used it to roll out the pasta. But it's, it's manual. It's, it's manual. Yeah, all the other stuff was done. Yeah, yeah, no, we still needed it. We still, you know, uh-huh. we st- still did all the hand rolling and all the kneading and blending ourselves. Yeah. yeah, it just made it smooth and thin in a way that rolling out the rolling pin, I think, wouldn't have done as well. Yeah. But you can do it either way. Mm-hmm. And that was great. So there were a number of different pastas in the in the book, like lasagna, you know, bolognese, tringoli, excuse my accent, with honey and aged pecorino, little, you know, various types of rolled or stuffed pastas, like with potato filling and porcini mushrooms, or pappardelle with duck ragu, like a lot of very yummy pastas. I decided, of course, to make the pasta that was the most complicated. Yes, you did. And going back to the theory of cooking for people you love, this was over the holidays when I had some extra time, and I decided to make the tagliatelle with simmered onions. And so this is kind of like an Italian version of French onion soup. Ten onions, roasting marrow bones. It was the marrow bones that was the real issue because they're not as cheap as you think they should be. They're very expensive. I thought they would be cheap, and they I was very surprised. It was a lot of work for you to, to get them where they needed to be. It just took time, and they're a little gross, too. I'd never, <laughs> never actually eaten marrow bones or worked with them before, and I thought, this better be worth it while I was busy stirring them and roasting them. And then, you know, ten onions and... There was some shallots or garlic in there too, wine, broth. It cooked for hours. And yeah. you didn't have to stand there for hours, but you kind of did. Like you couldn't be that far because you had to keep stirring the onions. So it was quite a production. Yes. The good news is that at the end of the day, it was very good. It was delicious. You know, everybody loved it. They appreciated it. Yes. <laughs> to your point, I did feel that it was appreciated. It was, you know, not something that I'd make every day, but it was really good. So I felt like, you know, I wanted to spend the time cooking for my family. I did. Turned out well. It was appreciated. That was absolutely one where the work was commensurate to the payoff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what comes next? Cinnamon rolls. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon rolls, you know, that's a favorite of mine. It's not even that it's my favorite to eat, but to make, because it makes people so happy. It, I, it might be like the number one thing. Whenever you see cinnamon rolls, or I post them on Instagram, or I tell somebody about it, they say, cinnamon rolls! You know, they're so excited. Yeah. I don't know, it somehow brings people back to being a kid. And I tried, I recently tried a different recipe on the vanilla bean blog for cinnamon rolls. It was voted best cinnamon roll recipe, and it was even slightly more complicated than my previous cinnamon roll recipe, but I decided to try it anyways. Just to digress, there's a blog called the Pancake Princess blog, which I just give a plug for. If you're interested, if you're kind of a a nerdy baker like I am, and you're interested in looking at different recipes, she will have comparison of some popular recipes, pancakes, waffles, chocolate cake, chocolate chip cookies, and test a whole bunch of different recipes and then have people taste them and compare the results. It's pretty detailed. 
And she had a cinnamon roll bake-off, and the vanilla bean blog won the bake-off. And so I decided, oh, it's even better than my usual recipe. I which is try very it. good. Which is, which is very good. And it was. It was even slightly better. The dough was very tender, which I think is very key. Yes. You, know, you mean, you don't overwork it. You don't add too much flour. It's tender and sweet and, you know, ooey-gooey like cinnamon rolls should be. But it is some work because you have to – it's an overnight dough. You have to stir it together and then let it sit and then mix it again and then let it sit and so on and off for a couple hours. And then it's in the fridge and then it's out of the fridge and then it's in the fridge and you roll it out. Like, it's a, it, you know, it's a process. Not so much work, but it does take time and it's an effort. So I would only do it if people were going to appreciate it. Yeah, which they will. And they do. Right. So the next one is one that's near and dear to me because this is the one that I always request for my birthday and you make it and that's, you know, I know that you love me, but this is just (laughs) further proof. that Demonstration. it, it It is an act of demonstration of your love for me and that is the crepe cake. The crepe cake, exactly. And what that is is a tower of crepes layered with pastry cream, or at least that's the way I make it. You could fill it with whipped cream or lemon curd or a mixture of any of the above. But my favorite way to make it is with the coffee pastry yes. cream and then drizzled with chocolate ganache over top. It tastes like a coffee crisp bar in cake form. It is my favorite thing. <laughs> I'm thinking about it now. It is my favorite thing. It is absolutely delicious, but it's a lot of work. How many crepes? There's how many layers? About 20. I mean, again, you can make it in steps. You can make the crepes and freeze them. You have to so you have to make the crepes and then you have to make the filling and then you have to make the topping and put it together. But it should be made in advance because it has to sit in the fridge. And so, you, you, you know, you can space it out. You can plan it. It's not like you have to... It's not a last-minute dessert. In fact, it shouldn't be because it needs to kind of gel. But it's it's work. But everybody's so happy to eat it. Yes. Yeah. If I let them because it's mine. <laughs> and then everybody fights about the crepe cake and <laughs> yeah. the leftovers and yeah. stuff. So it, you know, it's a good one. You know, it's a New Year's Eve right. or Valentine's Day or birthday kind of dish. It's not something you whip up. And I have my own labor of love because uh, one of our kids loves brisket but brisket is not you know it's not quick it's not like making burgers or putting a steak on the barbecue you gotta sit with that brisket for like five six hours and there's many steps and you got to make sure it doesn't dry out i use the bonnie stern recipe and i'll and in the show notes i'll i'll send a reference to that but i've kind of adapted it and, and modified it as i'm not really a recipe guy but that's a labor of love any meat that takes like six seven hours to cook is absolutely one the other one that is is also any smoked chicken that i make mm-hmm. on the barbecue because that's a three-day process between the brining, the rub, and then it sits on the barbecue for a good five, six hours. So that's another one that I do. But you just don't just decide to do that at no, the last you can't. minute. That, that, and that's really it. It's not that it's that complicated. And once you once you once you do stuff like this, you know the process sort of becomes second nature. But you know the decision to do it requires planning. It does, and it's worth it. It's worth it if you enjoy it. You, you need to take a step back, enjoy the process, not be resentful. Know that it's going to be appreciated. Know that it's meaningful. You know, it's not just the cake itself, but the demonstration of what it is you're doing. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're welcome. Next month, you're going to come back and tell us how to cook with an Instant Pot. Yes? Mm -hmm. Yes. Excellent. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss fear of death and the meaning of life on The Tonic. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of The Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. 
It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. At Caregivers Services Limited, we specialize in 12 to 24-hour private care for seniors in private homes, hospitals, or facilities. We provide the highest level of customized service for families looking for a caregiver or personal support worker. To ensure the highest quality of care and support, we limit the number of clients we service. Whether you're looking for general live-in care or have more significant needs related to mobility issues, dementia, or palliative care, finding someone who's a great fit is most important. At Caregivers Services Limited, our highly experienced staff specialize in meeting the unique needs of 12 to 24-hour care. For more information, please visit caregiverservices.ca. Let our family help care for yours. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. My next guest, David Bernstein, graduated from the Schulich School of Business with an MBA in 1992. He worked in marketing and senior management with Procter & Gamble and Reckitt Binkieser in Toronto, Tel Aviv, Amsterdam, and London. Following in the footsteps of several family members, David entered the seniors' healthcare field, acquiring Caregiver Services Limited in 2014. Welcome back to the show and Happy New Year. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Happy New Year to you as well. So you sent me an email a few weeks ago because we were, you know, we discuss issues here, mortality amongst them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you sent me a very interesting YouTube video Mm -hmm. and we had a little bit of a back and forth and we decided it would make for an interesting segment. It's a little bit of an experiment. We haven't really done anything like this before. Correct. Who's Siskel? Who's Ebert? I don't know. Well, I've got the hairline for Siskel. So let's, why don't we do that? The video was of Herbert Fingeret who was a philosopher. Mm -hmm. He taught at University of California, I think in the video he says for 40 years, Mm -hmm. among many topics that he covered, including whether alcoholism uh, was truly an illness, he wrote a book about death. Mm -hmm. And this was a documentary done by his grandson because he was 97 years old and he was facing his imminent demise, Mm -hmm. and he had some interesting thoughts about uh, his death. So thank you for sending it to me. No problem. And I mentioned this in last week's show, but if you haven't had a chance to watch the video, it's only 15 minutes long, and you can Google Herbert Fingeret. It's called Being 97. Being 97, and it should pop right up to the top and have a quick look, because that's what we're going to talk about now. Yes. So it starts off, you you sort of see Herbert, who's 97, sort of waking up and, and doing with great deal of assistance, some of the things uh, that we all do when we start Mm. the day, getting dressed and having breakfast. And his first musing was on what it's like to be 97. What stuck out for you in that part of it? Well, the reason that it hit quite sort of center for me as well was if you'll notice there was a caregiver in there with him. Right. And so I saw my clients and my employees and you know, with a bit of a, this is a very familiar territory. And I've had conversations, not too in-depth, but a few with clients facing these types of issues, or maybe their spouses. It's sort of the, the client is often in a cognitively not able to have that conversation with the spouses. And so that's what made me look at it in the first place. And what was quite profound about this man's uh, sort of experience was, uh, firstly, historically, he's a contrarian. Yes. Arguably. He's a philosophical contrarian. You know, this idea that alcoholism may not be disease, it may be something where there's more choice, which flies quite in the face of a lot of literature these days. 
And his philosophy on death was very much that it's nothing to be afraid of. Right. Because, firstly, once you're dead, there's no you. (laughs) And if there's no you, there's no thing as well to be scared of. And so it was a very intellectual argument about there's no point of being afraid of something that is beyond your existence. Right. And... I didn't read his book on death, and maybe I will, but to flush out exact, because it seems like there's a lot of ways to look at that that don't make a lot of sense. Now, what happened at the end of this, or I guess maybe is the, the, what provoked uh, his grandson to do the video, was he had a change of heart. Yeah. Um, he had a wife for, I think it was 70 years, who he loved dearly and went through everything together with. Who had yeah, pre- actually, he worked with her as yeah, well. Yeah, he worked with her, and she predeceased him. And... His uh, he began to I think feel sadness at a different level, not just for the passing of his wife, but the absence of his wife, and the I guess the anticipation of himself passing on, and it it shook his world. He began to rethink his entire philosophy, and they, although the video doesn't go into great detail about any new profound thoughts, right? It sort of brings up some of the basic ideas that I think are worth discussing. My general feeling is that we're fundamentally afraid of death because we value life. Yes. It's almost that simple. And so maybe, and he points this out in the the video, that it really wasn't until very late that he started to contemplate these things Arguably, because the the proximity was so much closer, and when you're, you know, when you're, it's like think about it: a, a two year old contemplating death. They're not capable of it. They're not right. afraid of it. They're afraid of not eating or something. And then as we age, we we generate new fears and we manage those fears. But I remember vividly as a teenager, 20-something-year-old, I thought I had forever to live. You did. We were indestructible. Exactly. I, mean, I, knew, I knew you at that time. <laughs> you, you, you were indestructible. Uh, partially. <laughs> My feet were. And so you don't have that fear. Yeah. You can't even contemplate it. And so you might fear getting hurt or things like that. But the idea of death itself, it makes perfect sense to me that at a younger age, you're going to have very different thoughts than at an older age. Yeah, but the difference with him, though, is his entire adult life was consumed with thought and he absolutely mm-hmm. turned his mind to death. He yes. intellectualized it, right? I mean, you could see, and he was incredibly lucid and well-spoken mm-hmm. yes. in 97. 97 I mean, was he, he was uh, mm-hmm. very sharp. Mm-hmm. And he was a bit melancholy mm-hmm. because he felt perhaps uh, his life's work with respect to death <laughs> was an error. He couldn't understand previously why people, and it was on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just intellectual. He was creating the intellectual argument as to why you shouldn't fear death, right? Because of the non-existence. But emotionally, he felt it as well, right? I mean, there was no mysticism, no, uh, I guess you could say he wasn't religious. How could you be uh, if you felt there was nothing after death? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he had, a, you're right, a change of heart that he wasn't really prepared to articulate. No, and arguably one of the things that, you know, unfortunately we don't have a chance to discuss with him is he had a very compressed amount of time to come to terms with the antithesis of his life's work. Right. And so, you know, if you had decades to work on why you shouldn't be fearful of death, right. and now you've got a year or two years or an yeah. undetermined uh, amount of time to 
rethink all of that, that would create anxiety. So it's possible as well that he was experiencing, I don't have enough time to solve this, right. you know, this issue of his. Well, well, ultimately, I mean, one of the most telling things in the, in the video is he said the meaning of life, right, which drives his desire to understand, you know, end of life and mm-hmm. death. He summarized in one sentence, which was, it's a foolish question, which... Uh, I suppose it's shocking for a philosopher yeah. to come to that conclusion. He concluded there's no answer. Yeah. Well, because there's no answer, it's a foolish question. Yes. Now, at least that's where he was. We don't know yeah. necessarily if that's a, a sort of a finite a, you know, answer for him. But there's two interesting things that he was experiencing that were brought out in the video that arguably form this this new point of view. One was the distinct presence of the absence of his wife. Yes. So where the absence of something had this huge presence for him. And number two, he saw the natural world as spectacularly beautiful. Trees, you know, he started to see things that presumably he didn't see very well before. And he started to, it almost further saddened him that he was going to miss all this beauty he for the first time could see. I thought that was the key takeaway point from the video. If anything, I mean, he didn't articulate it, but he seemed to be imploring anybody that was listening to mm-hmm. him speak on this, uh, appreciate what you have. Appreciate the be wonder. Mm-hmm. Ap- appreciate the wonder that is life. Uh, there's no reason for it. He couldn't explain it, mm-hmm. but he certainly appreciated it at the end. And, you know, it made me think. I've been starting to wonder, you know, we have a fixed amount of time on this planet and uh, I'm wondering, am I making the most of every single day? I mean, today we are. We're having a good conversation today. Yesterday, I sat at my computer. I can't really point to anything <laughs> I did other than make a pretty good dinner. Uh, but maybe we should strive more in the moment to appreciate that bird or that flower yeah. or your wife or your kid or whatever. I mean, it's trite. but I think it's incredibly hard to find examples of people who – as they age, say you shouldn't have taken more advantage of the past. You shouldn't have been more present. Right. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's batting a thousand. Right. The insight, at least from the future backwards. Yeah. 100%. That I wish I had, or I'm grateful I did. Revel in the best parts that life had to offer, took advantage of opportunity, all those types of things, which arguably you can infer from what he said. But there's another thing that sort of that it got me going on, which was that absence, the death of another, your own death. It's not absence. It's a vacuum. And a vacuum is a low-pressure zone that sucks things towards it, right. right? It's very different than absence. You know, nothing is nothing. But for some reason, at least uh, given my limited understanding of physics, that a vacuum actually has impact on other things. Correct. And when when somebody passes someone you love, you feel the vacuum, not just the – There's that's that presence of the absence I think he was talking about. Yeah. And I think that fear of death is almost the premature or the anticipatory mourning of your own death. And all that fear, all those, those that sadness is almost as though you're mourning your own future demise. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's, I think, part of the human condition and allows you to revel – in the things that are most worthy of appreciating. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Will you come back again and maybe we can explore that sort of focused point, what the meaning of that is, that anticipation Mm -hmm. of death? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Thanks again. My pleasure. All the best, Jamie. 
Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Ian Clark, Kathleen Trotter, Naomi Bussin, and David Bernstein. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by Naomi Bussin and other amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighbourhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website, tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Next week on the show, we'll discuss men's health, virtual care myths in the digital age, new running shoe technology, and acid reflux and indigestion. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.